What's up, guys? Rick here with your DFS preview for the U.S. Open. That's right. It is major week. It is time for some carnage. We'll talk about that in a second. But before I do, I'm recording this during the Safeway Open. So I have not seen the resolution to the Safeway Open yet. But since salaries are out, since you have an opportunity to build lineups, I figured why not? Let's do the video right now. And what I also will do is I'm going to go live on Wednesday, the day before the U.S. Open begins at 3 p.m. Eastern time, and I will answer all your questions. We'll go through all the stats, do all of that last-minute lineup building stuff. It, I did it a couple of weeks ago, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I thought it was very well-received, so let's bring it back. So this is an early preview, but I will supplement it with the Wednesday live stream and everything else, all the content you normally see throughout the week. Oh, it's coming. It is going to be a huge content week on rickrungood.com, on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel, all that good stuff. So uh, buckle up, strap in. It's time to get going for the U.S. Open. Now, final thing here. Uh, if you would like to win a six-month subscription, that's right, I'm ramping up the giveaways for the U.S. Open, I'll give out two six-month subscriptions to rickrungood.com, which is my site. It's where all the tools you're going to see here in this video come from. There are two ways to enter. If you are on YouTube, just like this video. Make sure you subscribe to the Rick Run Good YouTube channel and comment below with who's going to win the U.S. Open. That's it. The other way... If you are listening to the audio podcast called 300 Yards to Unknown, leave a five-star rating and review, say something nice about the show, and leave me your Twitter handle. Do both for entries into each drawing. It'll double your chances. I will link the podcast in the YouTube description and vice versa. I think that's it. Let's not waste any more time. Let's jump into the U.S. Open this week at Winged Foot. Winged Foot Golf Club. You might know it from the 2006 U.S. Open where Phil Mickelson finished second in dramatic fashion to Jeff Ogilvy. Still has not won the U.S. Open, the only major he needs to achieve the career grand slam. But let's talk about the actual course because it's a U.S. Open. And what that usually means is carnage. And the early reports out of New York are that carnage is likely. The winning score may be over par. And of course, we don't know. We're, we're many days out. A lot of this stuff can change. It can change overnight depending on rain and conditions and if they cut the grass and all that stuff. But from what I understand, uh, it's going to play very difficult as we usually get in a U.S. Open. I mean, Shinnecock Hills kind of got away from, uh, from, from, from the competitors. I think they lost the course a little bit, but it, it's going to play tough. And over on the first cut pod that I host for CBS Sports, we have Greg Ducharme on. He has been noting how difficult this course can be, how long it can be. It's going to be stretched out to 7,400 yards. It's a par 70. So this is an animal. And with most U.S. Opens, you are going to need to find the fairway. Playing out of the rough at Wings Foot, like most U.S. Open venues, is going to be incredibly challenging so guys that hit it long preferably guys that can find the fairway without giving up too much distance um you know there's some really tricky green complexes out there i mean you need to be a complete player to contend at this type of u.s open so we'll talk all about those guys in a second 
I mentioned it's a par 70, 7,400 yards. It is a bent grass POA uh, hybrid. So according to the GCSAA, that's the Golf Course Superintendent uh, Association of America, they are the top notch. They're, they're the authority in this. They have it as 80% Poana, 20% bent grass. Okay, so obviously over time, the, the Poana, it kind of um, takes over a little bit, but there this is still technically a hybrid mix. And what I've done in the database this year and on the t- or this week and on the tools on the course key stats, I have specified a little bit better and labeled more appropriately the hybrid strains. Okay, so we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, when you look at the grass specialists for this week, I've gone with that bent po uh, hybrid mix to show you the stats. So the way that this reads, after all that, the way that this reads is Martin Keimer. Technically, the best specialist on this hybrid surface. And the way that I determine that is I look at his strokes strokes gained on this surface and compare it to other surfaces. And essentially, he is 1.8 strokes per round better on this surface than other surfaces. Now, that might be a smaller sample size because that's a pretty big number. But some of the guys that you see up here who have a lot more rounds, I mean, Kevin Streelman, someone that you might consider this week, Matthew. Wolf is is you know not a not a large sample size, but someone that um, not a great putter in general puts better on this hybrid strain. Mark Leishman as well, Kevin Kisner guys, um, Scotty Scheffler is on here as well. So if you're into the grasses, if you're into this hybrid, and of course. These can all be different. All you know, uh, uh, this hybrid mix in New York is different than it is in California, and it, it it's kind of all all over the place. But if you're into the grass specialist stuff, this is here for you. When we look at key stats, we usually look at it by course. Uh, but you have to remember the U.S. Open, of course, rotates courses. So being at Wingsfoot this week, what can we glean from? this week and how it might be compared to previous U.S. Opens. Well, the USGA, I I mean, they set all of this up, right? So they set it up at Wingfoot. They set it up at at Pebble. They set it up at Shinnecock, um, Chambers Bay. Like it's, it's, they're setting it up and they're trying to essentially do the same things. You know, usually it's very penal if you miss the fairway. Usually the courses play very long. Uh, the greens are usually very firm and fast, almost too firm, almost too fast. The GC uh, SAA has the stimp meter for this week at a 13. That's it's pretty fast. It's pretty lightning. Uh, I, I assume it's going to be firm as well. I mean, it, it's going to be a tough test. So what you can do is you can look at this course key stats, this regression model, and you can say, um, you know, how does this compare to other years where the setup is always similar? It's usually the same time of year. Of course, it's not going to be the same time of year here. Uh, it's generally the same field. It's a very tough, deep field. So there are things that you can glean. And the important stats that came out of this week are very interesting. Um, strokes gain putting is the number one most common important stat. And in fact, only two other events on the PGA Tour schedule does strokes gain putting become more important than it does here at the U.S. Open. And I think that makes sense because you usually get incredibly difficult greens. You usually get very complicated complexes, very undulating greens, and the best putters can usually figure that out quicker 
than bad putters. I think it makes sense. Um, so that's interesting that that was up here. Driving accuracy. Driving accuracy ranks fifth, meaning there are only four other events in which driving accuracy becomes more important. And driving distance is 13th. I think that's important because while driving distance is key because it's a very long course, you cannot play out of the rough. You cannot play out of the rough out of out at a U.S. Open. It is almost impossible. So hitting the greens is important. And then, then you start to see the cream rise to the top. So just like the first handful of very important stats, and we rarely see an event that has five stats that rank inside the top 10 on the PGA tour. When you compare it to the other 49 courses or 49 events that we see on the PGA tour, and those are strokes gain putting. We talked about driving accuracy, and then we get Strokes gain total, strokes gain T to green, birdie or better. And the way that I translate that is essentially that uh, the best players win U.S. Opens. That That's the short of it, right? I mean, the cream does rise to the top. They It, it takes a special kind of player who can work it both ways, who can be mentally strong enough uh, to grind through four really difficult days out there to, to deal with the pressure. I mean, the best guys do it. So I think that's what I glean from the strokes gain total, the tee to green and the birdie or better aspect of the important key stats. So who is that for this week? Well, we'll start with putting, right? That was the most important stat. So I'll sort these by putters and Matthew Fitzpatrick at $8,000. Um, we're going to talk about Matthew Fitzpatrick, but to see him, at the top of the list for strokes gain putting in a week where I think that's going to be very important. And I don't want to give it away, but he is a gamer on difficult golf courses. We're going to talk about Matthew Fitzpatrick in a second. Andrew Putnam is $6,200. Christian Bezadenhut is $6,500. Bryson DeChambeau, $9,900. We're, of course, going to talk about him. Kevin Na, Ian Poulter, Matt Kuchar round out the strokes gain putting guys. Let's look at the driving accuracy guys, and there might be some familiar names, maybe a little bit further down. Uh, Brandon Todd, the most accurate driver of the golf ball. He also plays well on difficult golf courses, even though he shouldn't, quite frankly. Like a lot of the harder golf courses tend to be longer. Brandon Todd's not very long, but because he hits so many fairways, he finds himself in contention a lot. Like it's counterintuitive, but it makes sense if you think through it. He's 7,400. Uh, Tyler Duncan, 65. Ches Reavy, 69. Jim Herman, 62. And then Webb Simpson at 97 round out the top five of players in driving accuracy. And then we'll just sort it by strokes gain total. And this should more closely line up with the um with the with the DraftKings salaries here and it tends to John Rahm is number 1, Bryson is number 2, Webb is number 3, Justin Thomas 4, Berger 5 and then Harris English. That's your probably one value play. $7900 if you want to look at the strokes gain numbers. But I want to flip over to the cheat sheet because there is a lot to digest about a lot of golfers and the cheat sheet allows me to go through that a little bit better. Six golfers over $10,000 with Dustin Johnson leading the way at 11500 And there is no doubt in my mind that he should be the best player in this field. He should be the, or he is the best player in this field. He should be the highest priced golfer. I think you get a little bit of a break on him because he, because it's a major, you usually get the softer pricing on DraftKings. You could make a really good case. He should be closer to $12,000. I mean, you look at his odds to win this golf tournament and at last check, I think he was like, I don't know. Was he eight to one? Was he shorter than that? Let me pull this up really quickly because he was 
really short. Six and a half to one. Six and a half to one, and he's only $500 more expensive than John Rahm, who is 11 to one to win this golf tournament. So if, if odds makers think he is twice as likely to win this golf tournament or a little bit less than that, and he's only 500 more than John Rahm, you can make a really good case that he is underpriced. I, I don't think that's that unusual. And then you look at what his history is, uh, again, all different courses, but similar setups. The U.S. Open, he's just He's, he's been phenomenal, right? He won it in 2016. He has five top eight finishes in the last 10 years. I mean, half the time he's just been, he's just been phenomenal. And I don't think I really have to sell you on Dustin Johnson. I'll try to sell you on John Rahm a little bit, $11,000. And we're going to go over to the strokes gain database here. And I want to look up John Rahm's season. And, and this is probably well known, but the big thing about Rahm is his two victories here in the restart have come at the two most difficult courses that we saw. You know, it came at Mirfield Village for the Memorial where it was a bloodbath. Remember, that was just absolute bloodbath. And then Olympia Fields for the BMW Championship, another bloodbath. I mean, it was just unbelievable how difficult those two courses were. And John Rahm comes out on top in both of them. I mean, it's, it's incredibly impressive stuff. If he ends up winning player of the year, which I don't think he will, but if he ends up doing it, it's because his peers have decided that those two courses were such difficult tasks. And it was so impressive for him to win both of them that he needs to be the player of the year. His U.S. Open history, not nearly as good as Dustin Johnson's, not nearly as long. He's only played it four times. He missed the cut twice. But last year, he did finish third um, to Gary Woodland at, at Pebble. I don't think there's too much to dive into with Justin Thomas and Rory McIlroy. Thomas will go as far as his putter allows him to. That is simultaneously great and terrible because he has not been a very good putter, uh, essentially in the restart. So I, I can pull him up real quick. I mean, I don't think I have anything uh, breaking to say about Justin Thomas, who has been phenomenal from tee to green. So good, in fact, that he was actually able to win the WGC FedEx St. Jude while losing strokes putting. It's a rare feat. And he's only gained strokes in one event since then. And it was less than one stroke over four rounds at the BMW Championship. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable. He's just going to go as far as the putter allows him, which is both good and bad. Just know what you are getting yourself into. And then Rory McIlroy, you know, we we talk a lot about uh, the mental side of it now that he's got the, the newborn at home. And he was, you know, he mentioned he wasn't able to focus a lot on golf leading up to the birth of his first child. And it makes sense. Um, and, and he played okay. He played okay at the tour championship, right? He, he's, his driver looked good again. His, his irons and his, his wedges still weren't very sharp. Uh, the putter was decent. I think, I think Rory's fine. Um, I don't think he can necessarily just flip the switch and start hitting his wedges and his irons better. That's the one thing that's holding him back. So for JT, it's one thing. For Rory, it's one thing. If you want to buy a bit low on those two guys, I think it's fair because a lot of, and I think rightfully so, the ownership is going to converge on Xander Shoffley at 10,100. I, I mean, this guy's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, I want to pull up two things here in the Strokes Gain database. So I want to start with his recent results. Here's Xander. Uh, so let's see. He has finished in the top 25 in three, four, five, six, seven in eight tournaments in a row. And he won 
the shadow leaderboard at the tour championship. So I'm showing it as a second place finish here in the database. That includes the starting strokes. It is actually, if you go just, if everybody started at even par, Xander Shoffley would have won the tour championship by like two shots over Scotty Scheffler. Um, so he's been great. And then I want to show you this. We're going to open up the Holy Grail for the first time. And I love this tool so much. I absolutely love it. I've made some some upgrades to it over the past uh, couple of of days, and I've got some more columns in here, and I've loaded in the U.S. Open uh, field, and and I want to sort this by just U.S. Open history. So let me go up to tournament. I'll go to the U.S. Open. And I think I've got the last three years at least loaded in here. And in this field, in this field, no one has gained more strokes per round than Xander Shoffley in his last in the last three years. Um, three point one seven. You know how good that is per round. It's absolutely phenomenal. Brian Harmon second, Hideki Matsuyama and and Tommy Fleetwood. They're they're third and fourth. Those are guys that I'm also very interested in. But there's really. No reason not to play Xander, which is, I guess, why the ownership probably flies up there. He might be one of the most popular golfers on the slate, especially with the the, the softer pricing. Uh, you can fit any 10K guy you want in here. So no surprise to see Xander being, you know, treated uh, treated this way because he should be. Colin Morikawa, I think, is great. I think he's just fine. I think he is fairly priced. He won, he's won, what, twice in his last six or seven starts. Um, if you're talking about guys that can hit the fairway, hit their irons, handle big-time situations, uh, that, that all screams Colin Morikawa to me. I do not think he's underpriced. I do not think he's overpriced. Bryson DeChambeau is 9900 um, An absolutely horrible stretch of golf for Bryson DeChambeau over the course of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Bryson is going to live and die with the driver um, because he hits it far enough to chew up so much of winged foot and really try to take this par 70, 7,400 yards and really shrink it. But the problem is he's been spraying it all over the yard. I mean, he's been missing so many fairways. And as I've mentioned many times, you cannot play any U.S. Open out of the rough. You cannot. Um so we're going to see how the game translates, but I have to say I'm a bit concerned. I love the upside. I hate the downside. He's 9,900. I'm going to have to only include him in, in lineups where, you know, maybe I've got a, a handful of other safe guys. I, I just know what I'm getting myself into when it comes to Bryson DeChambeau, which is uh, super, super volatile. Webb Simpson. So Webb, like, this should not... It should not be a good fit for him. A U.S. Open should not be a good fit for Webb, right? Because we know he's not very long off the tee, which usually disqualifies you from a lot of situations. But he's been great, right? We know he won. We won. He Wow. We didn't win it. He won it in 2012. Um, you know, he's gone 16th and 10th in his last two years. He had a 14th place finish in 2011. I mean, he he's just fine. When these guys walk off the tee box, Webb Simpson is probably the best player in the world, right? From fairway through green, Webb Simpson might be the best player in the world. And it really comes in handy, especially because if he's not going to hit it long, he has to be accurate. And that's exactly what he does. Very accurate off the tee. Further down, um, you know, Daniel Berger, I, I love, he's, he's, got, he's had a little bit of success at U.S. Opens. He's just way better. I mean, he's just absolutely in his prime right now. Um, 
again, kind of one of these guys that I'll, I'll have some exposure to. I think he is fairly priced. I'm not sprinting to get him into my lineups, but I'm certainly not going to be avoiding him. Um, Hideki is here. And I mentioned Hideki a little bit earlier. You know, I showed you the the Holy Grail thing where he is, you know, in the last three years at U.S. Opens, uh, only Brian Harmon, only Xander Shoffley have gained more strokes per round than Hideki has. That's that's a great sign. We know that Hideki is going to just live and die with the flat stick. Um, but you have to think about this. Like, can Hideki win at a tough course? Well, he won at Mirfield Village, right? He's won the Memorial. So he, he certainly shouldn't be intimidated by a difficult golf course. And his U.S. Open history kind of illustrates that um, even better than I can. There will be, well, I'm not ready to get down there yet. Uh, we have to talk about Tiger. He's $8,600. Um, the, 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 cons, the cons about Tiger, there's no real evidence since Genesis, which was in February, that his game is in a good enough shape to contend at a PGA Tour event, uh, let alone a major championship. That's the bad news, which is really bad news. The good news is that if he is going to compete, I think it is going to be at an event that uh, plays very difficult, like this will. You know, it, it might be tough for Tiger, especially if he can't hit fairways. He's cooked just like everybody else is. But there is no better grinder in the history of the game than Tiger Woods. And I think that a one over par winning score is much better for him than a 20 under par winning score at this point in his career. So I have to tell you, I'm not very optimistic. I hope that I'm wrong. I would love to see Tiger win the U S open. I'd be running around like a maniac on Sunday evening if that happens, but I have little evidence to, to think that's going to happen. Um, Scotty Scheffler, Scotty Scheffler is $8,200. And you know, as I record this very early in the week, Scotty Scheffler might be the most popular golfer on the slate this week. I don't think it's wrong. I think if you're going to play him, understand why. But he goes fourth place at the PGA Championship, so Harding Park, fourth place at the Northern Trust, 20th at the BMW Championship, and then he finished fifth at the Tour Championship, but it was actually seventh in raw, or I'm sorry, second in raw scoring. So he finished only behind Xander Shoffley in the shadow leaderboard, the raw scoring version of this. So it's been an unbelievable run, even from the Memorial, right? I mean, he's, he's gone six straight top 25s. And he's doing it in a way that is super projectable, where he's just gaining a ton of strokes on approach, gaining a ton of strokes off the tee. In fact, some of his even really good performances, he lost 2.6 strokes putting and finished second to Xander Shoffley by two shots. If he finishes dead even in the week in, in, in putting at the Tour Championship, he wins that event. The shadow leaderboard, of course. But like... He's even getting great results, losing as many strokes as he is putting. It's a really good sign. It's very projectable. It's very sustainable. At $8,200, I imagine he is going to be incredibly popular. If you are looking for pivots, I love the guys beneath him. I love Hatton. I love Fitzpatrick. I think I even love Victor Hovland. And I even think Harris English, for what he is at only 7900 for how well he's played, I think that's kind of great too. I mean, I don't know where to start. I kind of talked, uh, I, I definitely talked about Hatton last week. We covered it in, um, I want to say the live chat. Maybe it wasn't last week. I guess it was Tour Championship week where 
He had all that regression at once. He's an absolute grinder. The more difficult golf course he gets on, the better. Uh, he won at API. Very difficult course at Bay Hill. Just absolutely love it. Let me show you Matthew Fitzpatrick. This is what I was kind of teasing earlier in the show. And I didn't want to give it up so quickly because I'm not like, I don't love Matthew Fitzpatrick because he usually just gains a ton of strokes putting. It is not sustainable usually, but look at where he's found success. The Memorial, uh, Muirfield Village, very difficult. Um, The BMW Championship, uh, Olympia Fields, very difficult. That's good signs. A ninth place finish at the Arnold Palmer. I just told you how difficult that was. That's a great sign. And I just, I don't really like the way that he does it, but he seems to always find a way, which I think is commendable. Um, Back-to-back 12th place finishes at US Opens. So this isn't, too big of a stage for him. He's never missed a cut in four trips to a U.S. Open. I, I I don't like how he does it, but I respect it. And in a week where we got a strokes gained putting metric key stat that was off the charts, I mean, he's the best putter in this field. So I hate it. <laughs> he's not usually a guy that I roster, but I think I'll I think he's going to have to be investable this week for me. Further down the list. Um, Kevin Kisner, so Kevin Kisner is the, basically he's like the key stat guy this week, right? Because the two two most important key stats were strokes gained putting and driving accuracy. Well, Kevin Kisner does, does both of those things and he's got a bunch of really good finishes recently, right? Third at the uh, Wyndham Championship, fourth at the Northern Trust. Let's check his full US Open history. I don't think it's very good though. Let me see. It's not. I mean, he has one finish inside the top 45. It was a 12th place finish in 2015. He's missed two cuts. So it's not It's not a great history. Uh, but the the model says it should be a good fit for him. But I guess in, in practice, it hasn't been. I'm still pretty high on Kevin Kisner, who comes in playing playing well at the moment. And then the bottom of the sevens, I don't, I don't really love this. I think all these guys are fine. I'm, I'm probably not going to be playing... Jordan Spieth, certainly not going to be playing Sergio. I could, I could see, I actually do. I don't mind Brendan Todd at $7,400. He's another guy. Let's look up Brendan Todd. This one, you really, you really have to wrap yourself into a pretzel to figure out. Um, but someone who is one of the shorter hitters on the PGA tour, but one of the more accurate, um, you know, where does he play? Well, well, 22nd at Mirfield village. That's great. Eighth at Olympia Fields, that's great as well. 17th at Harding Park. I mean, he's got three top 25s at the three most difficult golf courses we've played in the restart because he puts his ball in the short grass. Um, Then he can hit those long irons and he's hitting, you know, he's hitting seven iron when other guys might be hitting nine iron into greens, but he, he gets it done. He's another guy that kind of breaks the mold of how you're supposed to be able to contend and compete in these types of championships. And he just does it in a different way, but he does it, so well in a different way. Like this wouldn't work if he missed 5% more fairways, but he doesn't. So it, it, it just works because he's so good at finding the fairway. And then he's so good at hitting longer irons in than everybody else that he can kind of make up for that lack of distance. I think that, um, Ches Reavy at $6,900 is going to catch a lot of steam throughout the week. I'm not, I, I, I like it. Don't love it. I think I'm lukewarm on it. Um, you know, he has the the U.S. Open history where he finished third last year and then 16th 
in 2017. But I mean, 2019 was Pebble. That's one of the shorter U.S. Opens we're ever going to get, right? I mean, that should fit right into Ches Reeve's hands because he doesn't hit it far. He hits it accurately. I guess Aaron Hills in 17, that was a monster. So I guess that's okay. I, I just, you know, the Pebble one kind of sticks out to me. But I, I get it. He's kind of like a, you know, Brendan Todd Jr. He's going to hit a lot of fairways. He's not going to hit it very far. And he's going to have to rely on that fairway through green game to kind of make up for what he loses off the tee. So I I get it. I'm not super thrilled, but I get it. I think the industry is going to be very warm on him, however, as as the week continues on. Below that, Brian Harmon at 6,400. He also found success at that. Aaron Hills, U.S. Open, um, 11th at the Northern Trust, 12th at the BMW Championship. He's playing well at the moment. Again, going to have to do it a different way than the rest of these guys. Um, and then you get into, there actually are some guys in here like, oh man, I mean, I don't know who a good, like there's some Euro guys in here that are coming over. Sam, uh, Horsefield, uh, Thomas Peters is coming over. These are guys I want to do some more research on. I want to try to go pull their Euro tour numbers, maybe add it to the cheat sheet, maybe figure out a better way to approach that. These are good guys. We'll talk about on Wednesday's live stream after I gather some more information and see if there's some actionable stuff on them because they might unlock some of the lineups uh, that you want to create at the top. I want to make a quick custom model before I uh, before I get out of here. So let me refresh this. All right, here we go. So um, what do we know about this week? Well, we saw strokes game putting. And again, I this goes against my, my intuition. It goes against my heart, but I'm going to go with what the model says. So we're going to go with strokes gain putting. So we'll do 28 there. We are going to do, uh, what was next? Accuracy. So we'll do 30 there. Uh, then it said, uh, well, I don't want to double up. So let's do, instead of doing total, we'll do T to green for 15. How much does that leave me with? 27. Uh, then I want to do a little bit of distance. So I'll do 15 there. And then I've got 12 left. To par 70, maybe I should do, maybe I should do 12 on the par fours. And we'll do it like this. And we'll run this model. And my number one golfer in my model is John Rahm. He's $11,000. Webb Simpson is number two. Daniel Berger, number three. English, Horschel, Hatton. DJ, Abe, answer. Interesting. Sung J.M. My uh, Xander, Kevin Kisner, they're like 11th, 12th. Uh, I mean, this is definitely a, I mean, you heard me go through like my gut right? I talked about, I think every single one of these guys, except Billy Horschel and Abraham answer, maybe like, um, I think this very much aligns with my gut a bit. Yeah. I might want to make some swaps out and probably higher on Brendan Todd than my model is probably lower on Abraham answer than my model is probably a bit higher on Matthew Fitzpatrick, definitely higher on Colin Morikawa. So I'll, I'll use this as a starting point. Um, and then kind of work my way through making some swaps you know, I'll probably have more Horschel than than I originally anticipated because he does play so well in my model. So we'll we'll see about this. But um, as early as it is in the week, this is a pretty good starting point for me. And then obviously all of this will evolve over the course of the next five or so days. Don't forget, go enter the draw. Win six months to RickRunGood.com. Join me Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern time. There's a million maker this week. Go win a million dollars. There's a lot of top prizes in the six figures. Go win six figures. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of carnage. 
Enjoy the week. Tweet me at Rick Run Good or leave a comment below. Best of luck, and I'll talk to you guys soon.